You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Good morning, everybody. To all of our family watching online, I am so glad that you tuned in. Our High Ridge family is going to welcome you with a big, warm round of applause. Good morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you for watching. I think God's got a powerful word to speak to you. It's going to be a good Sunday. It's already been a good Sunday for me. My daughter was leading us in worship today. and If you say, I didn't like that worship, you can leave. I don't care. That's my baby girl, and I'm, and I'm proud of her. So uh, it's going to be a good Sunday. Let's grab our Bibles, if you would. I want to turn your attention to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. And as we do that, I want to just say, hey, thank you for your generosity. You guys are an amazing and a generous church. We were able to take our staff and we were able to spend uh, two days at a conference in Florida. And then we took two more days and just sat on the beach and did nothing. Sometimes you just need a little bit of vitamin C, S-E-A. And uh, tell you what, I am... I'm ready to go. It's great when, uh, see, my people are tropical people. And so I need to get, I need to get some sun, get my, little, my skin a little darker so I can give you what the Lord has given me in the right spirit. <laughs> but thank you for being a generous church that values health and that values rest and enables us to be able to do stuff like that. It means the world to all of us that serve and that do, uh, do the work of the Lord here at this church. And I'm so proud of this staff. These guys are amazing, amazing people. I love doing life with them, love doing ministry with them. It's awesome to be able to take care of them in that way as well. So thank you for being a generous church that's able to, to stand behind us with that. And also, um, in case you didn't know, uh, this is Valentine's week. If that comes out to shock to you, we have a marriage group for you that's going to that's gonna help you. Uh, if you're single or single again, hey, I get it. This is uh, Valentine's Day, maybe called Sad Day for you. Singles Awareness Day, SAD. Um, but, for, but for the rest of us, if, you, uh, if Valentine's Day has come as a shock to you, if you haven't had a chance to get a card, in our bathrooms today is, uh, is free Valentine's Day cards. Those are our free gift to you so that you don't, have to, uh, you don't have to worry about forgetting, and we will save you from getting in hot water this week. It is our gift to you. You can't buy them. Your, your tithe money already paid for it. They're yours. So take yourself a Valentine's Day card and save some money, you cheapo. <laughs> Hashtag, she won't know. No, it's our, it's our gift to you to make sure that Valentine's Day is a good one this year and that you don't forget. So just in case you did, uh, now you have a, a free gift for you. Uh, Genesis chapter four, we're gonna continue on with our series called In the Tension. Somebody say, In the Tension. The tension between God and man, the tension between us and others, the tension that happens when disobedience and sin comes into our relationship with the Lord. And so if I'm going to catch you up to the story, in Genesis chapter 3, we, we deal with uh, Adam and Eve sinning and disobeying God and the tension that exists in their relationship with the Lord from that moment on. And I want to not be too hard on Adam and Eve because I understand if they had done it perfectly, somewhere along the line, somebody else would have screwed it up. I get it. We have a way of bringing tension into perfect moments. Now, life may not always, may not always be perfect. I know that there are uh, times where it feels a lot less than perfect, but there's some days where you're like, oh, things are perfect, just don't mess it up. Just don't mess it up, it's, it's, it's a good moment. And I'm just, I'm just uh, I'm telling you, I had uh, one of those this week. Uh, my family's been so perfect, but my son's about to get married, and so he's got about three weeks until he gets married. We've got him into his new place uh, uh, yesterday, and that was a tough moment for me as, uh, as a parent when your children start moving out. Now, for some of you, you're like, oh, thank God. 
Get out. Not for me. I want them to stay six years old. I like that. I like being a dad. I want them to stay there forever. Don't grow up. Be Peter Pan. I like it. And so I've been, I've understood the word in a brand new, brand new way, the word bittersweet, because I'm super proud and super sad. I'm like, hey, forget this, this marriage thing. Don't do that. Just stay home with me. I need you. And where else, where else my, my enablers, my clingers, where are we at? It's tough for us. Come on, let's... <laughs> Where are the people that are like, get out now. Six years old, figure it out. Anybody else? No? We've also got a group for you, a great parenting group. <laughs> people make choices. We're going to help you. Perfect situations can be met with tension when, when things happen, when things go wrong. So I want to talk about that. In Genesis chapter 4, we come upon the second generation. Adam and Eve have disobeyed. There's tension between them and God. God creates skins to cover their shame and nakedness. And then God sends them out of the Garden of Eden. And he places them underneath the curse that they have to work for the rest of their life. There's pain in childbearing for the rest of their lives. And it's generational from one to the next. We all have to deal with the curse of Adam. And then we see Cain and Abel, the, the sons that Eve bears. And so this is a story of Cain and Abel, the generation after the fall. Starting in verse 2, it says this, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor upon Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. The literal language says his face fell. He turned the frown upside down. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why are you so downcast? And I want you to pay attention to this next scripture. It says this, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. If you don't do what's right, sin is crouching at the door. It says it desires to have you. Sin desires to overtake you. Sin desires to ruin your life to put tension between you and me. Sin is right there. It's waiting at your door. Do the right thing. But then God tells him this, but you must rule over it. You must rule over it. Somebody say that with me. You must rule over it. God says, look, there, you know, God is all powerful. He has all authority. But there are some things that God says, no, this is for you. I'm going to empower you to do this. You've got to get a handle on this. You must rule over that. Now Cain said to his brother, Abel, Let's go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know. He took off. I don't know where he. Am I my brother's keeper? He said. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And now you are under a curse. Look at that. You're under a curse. And driven from the ground, which opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And here's the curse. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You're not going to produce anything. An unproductive life, God says. It will no longer yield its crops for you, and you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Somebody say restless wanderer. Restless wanderer. New band name, I call it. It's going to be, it's going to be great. Restless wanderer. I want you to see that uh, there was already a curse upon the land. Adam's curse. And now we've got two curses. This is where we get uh, the thought behind a generational curse. Not only did it was, was it bad for one generation when they disobeyed God, but now they've passed it on to their children and it's gotten worse. 
You see, the original curse was you're gonna have to work the land. The second curse is now the land's not gonna produce anything for you. You're gonna have no home, no productivity. You're gonna be insecure. You're gonna be uncertain. You're gonna be wandering. You're gonna be restless for the rest of your life. I want you to recognize the curse of Cain where there were one curse, now there's two. Restless wanderer, he says, no productivity. You can't plug in, you can't find purpose, you can't bloom, you're unplanted. And I want you to see that this is still a a curse that many of us today as believers still choose to live under. Not that you have to, not that it's your curse, we choose to. And we will wander from place to place, from relationship to relationship, from home to home, from church to church. I can't bloom, can't plan. We will live lives without producing anything. We will live a life that makes no difference. The curse of Cain is a life with no point. I want you to know that it doesn't have to be that way. Like the infomercial said, surely there's a better way. Right? I want you to see what happens in one generation affects the next generation. I want you to see what was bad enough for one generation becomes even worse for the next. Now, before we get the testimony from all the boomers that say, yeah, back in my day, we had it this bad and it was way worse than you guys. Now, or the, you know, we only did this and you guys have done that. You know, I get it, I get it. But I want you to see the generational link between the tension between man and God and then how it gets even worse on the second level. I want you to know that there are some things in our relationship with God that are not just about our relationship with God. They're about your children and your children's children. And if we're not careful, we will leave lives that make no difference and show them that a life without a point is just normal for us. So how do I make sure that that my mistakes don't affect my children? I think if you've been a parent for very long or a grandparent, you, you think about that, what you're passing on and the legacy that you're leaving behind, and you recognize that there's a, there's a tension in each of us to, to not hand our children something that's worse than what we had. We want them to stand on our shoulders and accomplish great things. I want my children to go deeper with God than I've ever gone in my life. I want them to have a better relationship with the Lord. I want you to have this year be the year that you take personal responsibility for your spiritual maturity, personal responsibility for your spiritual health. Why? Because there's people dependent upon it. The next generation that's coming is dependent upon your walk with Christ and the way that you respond to the tension between you and your creator. How do we respond to that? I want to give you four things along the topic of relieving the tension between my mistakes and my family's future. Relieving the tension between the mistakes that I've made and what they have to pay for. You still with me? I want to give you four things that I think are extremely important because if we're not intentional in our relationship with God, we will lead our families into the curse of being void of purpose. You know, the growth track of our church, the thing that we do, the the thing that we put up on our wall, the purpose for which we're here is to help people, number one, know God. Number two, find freedom. Find freedom from their yesterdays. Find freedom from their sin. Find freedom from the curses that were handed down to you from your grandparents and your parents. Find freedom from your mistakes. And then number three, we want you to begin to find your purpose. Discover your purpose, the reason why God made you. And I want you to know that you have a purpose. Now, the cruelest thing I could do is tell you that you have a purpose and never tell you how to get that. That's cruel. I want to show you how in your relationship with the Lord, God begins to reveal your purpose, the very reason why he made you. 
so that ultimately, step four, you can make a difference with your life. I want you to leave, leave a life that, that makes a difference, a good difference, that moves the needle in a positive direction. Live a life that makes a point, that makes a difference. It didn't just make some money, it didn't just make some kids, that just make a few laughs, made a difference. I want you to recognize that the curse of Cain was to live a life as a restless wanderer with no productivity, no purpose. And if we're not careful, we will lead our children into the exact same thing. This is life. We wander around, just try to figure it out as we go. We're going to fake it till we make it. I guess the purpose of life is to make, make some more money, have more toys than the neighbor. Is that, is that your life? Is that all that we want? I think life is about more than that. It's about making a difference. So I want to give you four keys to relieve the tension between the mistakes that we make as parents and grandparents and even as believers and the future of our families, the future of the generation that's coming after us. How do we relieve that tension? Four things that we have to determine in our own minds, in our own lives, that we're going to do different. And I want you to see that we're pulling this from Genesis chapter 4 uh, because sometimes we look at a story and we're like, hey, it doesn't tell me what to do. It tells me what not to do, Right? You ever been in a situation where you ask somebody for their advice and like, hey, I don't know what to do, but don't do that. <laughs> Here are some things that I believe that we can apply according to God's word to help relieve the tension between our mistakes and you're going to make them and your family's future. And let me just remind you, uh, the perfect family does not exist. It's a myth. There's no such thing. You ain't got a perfect family and I don't either. We got issues. Trust me, I've been I'm an emotional wreck all week long watching my son move into his own place. Like, ooh, did you lock your door? You know the number for 911? I, I, I've been an emotional wreck all week, so if I cry or if I cuss, just bear with me. I'm in, I'm in a special place. Here's the first of four keys I want to give you. Number one, we will value a healthy, honest, and intimate relationship with the Lord. We're going to start right there. Because in your own marriage, in your own life, if you don't have that as one of your values, a healthy, an honest, an intimate relationship with the Lord, what you hand your, your, your children will be nothing short of hypocrisy. You will show them that God is a God of rules to be broken. You will teach them something that is simply not true. But an honest, a healthy, an intimate relationship with the Lord, if you value that, what you're handing your kids is something much better than what anybody could have ever handed you. Why? Because patterns develop generationally. Matter of fact, say that with me. Patterns develop generationally. Uh, by the way, for better or worse. But your children will learn way more from what they see you do than what they hear you say. They're going to watch you. You watched your parents. And there are things in your parents that you looked and you said, I will never be that. <laughs> That's wrong. And there are things in your parents where you're like, I, I want that. Hopefully at some point there's a lot more of this than there was of that. But patterns develop generationally for better or for worse. And I want you to notice in, in Adam and Eve and in the relationship with their son, there's some patterns that have been passed down and some of those are good. We see that these two boys understand and have a relationship with the Lord. They speak to him. They know his voice. They understand the concepts of, of the sacrifice. They understand the concept of sharing and honoring the Lord. That's a good thing. If you could teach your children how to pray how to talk to God, how to, how to have a healthy relationship with the Lord. That's a good thing. But I want you to notice also that the pattern develops generationally between Adam's relationship with the Lord and his kids' relationship with the Lord. That's not so good. And we see this in the way that, 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 that Cain answers the question. 
You see, when Adam fell, when the dad falls, God says, where are you? He said, I was naked. I was ashamed. So I was hiding from you. God says, what happened? He's like, it's her fault. So he answers, is it honest? Kind of. But generationally, when God asks Cain, where's your brother? It turns from kind of in one generation to a bald-faced lie in the second generation. I'm not my brother's keeper. I don't know where he is. I want you to see that the patterns have developed generationally for better or for worse. So it matters what you're leaving behind. It matters what you're showing your children in your relationship with the Lord. Your honesty goes a long way. And let me just promise you this. Your God can handle your honesty. He wants an intimate relationship with you. That's the healthy part of a good relationship with the Lord. Intimacy comes with honesty and health is a byproduct of a great relationship with God. So we see that we're gonna value a healthy and honest and intimate relationship with the Lord. Uh, Why? I wanna show you this. Uh, Because our relationship with the Lord positions the next generation to go farther into it or farther away from it. I wanna pause right there so that you can see this. This is important. It matters. It's not just about you. There are people watching your life. You are... To some, the only Jesus they're ever going to see. So if you value a healthy, honest, intimate relationship with the Lord, you're giving them a leg up. You're giving them a huge advantage. They'll either go farther into it or farther away from it based upon the tension that we have between us and the Lord. You're teaching them something. You're showing them something. Take notice. You still with me? All right, I want to talk to, about point number two. We talked about a healthy, honest, intimate relationship with the Lord. How do we relieve the tension between my mistakes and my family's future? Number two, we're going to have to choose God's word over our emotions. That's a great place for people to say amen. We choose God's word over our emotions. Choose God's word over our emotions. Oh, this is an important lesson you have to show your children. Now, let me tell you this. Um, your feelings matter. They do matter. It is a, it's an expression of the way that you feel. Is it right? Is it wrong? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it true? Is it not? Who knows? But your feelings are valid. And let me remind you of this. I want to say this very simple points. Hopefully that you can understand it. Your feelings matter and your kids matter. But they both have to know their place. And they will both flourish in their place. Your feelings have a place in your life. And if they're out of order, your life will be out of order. There'll be tension in your relationship with your children, your relationship with the Lord, your relationship with your coworkers, everywhere else. Emotions, do they matter? Yes. And in the right place, they will flourish. They will be healthy. In the wrong place, they will kill and destroy stuff. Please hear me. By the way, your kids matter too. Your kids have to know their place. If your kids are more valuable than your relationship with the Lord, you're getting them out of order. That's not good for them. You're not blessing them. You're not helping them. The greatest thing you can give your kids is a a healthy relationship with the Lord. And by the way, in your marriage, if your children are more important than your marriage, you got a problem. We have to value our spouse over our children. But when our children are in a healthy spot in that number three role behind your relationship with the Lord, your relationship with with their mother or their father, and then they fit into that third spot, they will flourish there. 
because they're underneath healthy authority and in the right place. Your feelings are the same way. Your kids are the same way. They will both flourish if they're in the right spot. Do you see this? Some of this, I think for, for some of us, as we're reading this, as we're understanding this text, it helps us to see how we've made so many mistakes. We're out of order. We're out of priority. Your kids matter? Yes, they do. Do they matter more than your relationship with the Lord? Absolutely not. Your kids cannot become your God. Your kids cannot become your God. Please hear me. I need, I need more, more nods than shock. All right, I'll move on. I'll move on. I want you to see this, though. This is important. Uh, God's response to Cain's emotion, he says, why, why is your face falling? Why are you downcast? God says this, if, if, if you make the right choice, won't I accept you? Or in other words, make a choice. God's response to emotions was you can still make the right choice in spite of how you feel. I want to say it this way. I can feel wrong and still do what's right. And if you show your children this lesson, that I don't like it, I'm angry, I'm mad, I'm sad, I'm jealous, I'm freaked out, I'm freaking in. But I can still make the right choice in spite of how I feel. There's a reason why we come into our, 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 our presence of worship and the presence of God and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Then say, I'm going to be glad that, that I can come into the presence of the Lord. Like, no, I'm going to rejoice and tell myself, I'm going to do this. Why? Because he's worthy. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. The feeling lines up behind the choice. You can feel bad and still do what's right. You can feel wrong and still do what's right. God's response to Cain's emotion was make a choice. In spite of how you feel, make a choice. If you do the right thing, I'll accept you. I know you're mad. I know you're angry. I know you don't like it. Do the right thing. I can feel wrong and still do what's right. He chooses, of course, like many of us, not to listen. He listens to the voice of his emotion instead of the word of God. And it leads to murder. I want you to recognize that. That emotions that are left to rule in the first place of priority over the word of God, they don't go places that are good. They bring destruction. They bring a curse. Not just upon you, but upon your children. You show your children that your emotions are more important than God's word. Oh, this is better than your amen in me. I'm telling you, this is important. You need to know this. How do I keep my family from paying for my mistakes? I let God's word rule over my emotions. What does God's word say? That I'm going to trust this over the way that I feel. One of the words that we have in, in our culture here, one of the statements that we make is that choices lead, feelings follow. Make a choice. Do the right thing and your emotions will line up and they will flourish. They will be healthy when you're not led by your emotions but led by the right choices. Do you see it? Are we okay? All right, I'll move on. I'll stop stepping on toes. I'm sorry. I just felt like we need to spend a little bit of time there because it seemed like this was brand new for a lot of people. And so uh, we can do a whole series on this if this will help you, but this is important, especially right now in the climate of our culture uh, where the way that you feel is, is the truth. No, no, no. God's word is truth. Let my feelings be underneath the authority of God's word and I'll find health there. Okay. I'll move on. Point number three, how do I relieve the tension between my mistakes and my family's future? Number three, I have to know the difference between some and first. Some and first. I want you to recognize that as both brothers are bringing a sacrifice to the Lord, as they're bringing an offering to God, 
It's bringing the first fruits of their crops and the, the leftovers. There's a big difference between God accepting something and God rejecting something. The difference was some and first. Abel brought the first of what he produced. Cain brought some. Those are two critical words in that text that we have to understand. If you're going to pass along something to the next generation, that's better than what you got. You have to know the difference between some and first. Let me remind you of this. Every healthy relationship has clear priorities. Clear priorities. You know where I stand. I know where you stand. I know how important you are. You know how important I am. And we have this mutual agreement of where each other ranks in our life. The thing that my wife and I have is we understand priorities align. We have a vision for our family. We know the things that are important. We have the values in place. And this helps us to succeed where many have failed. Clear priorities. I know where you rank. Now, there was a day back, in, back before Facebook where we had MySpace. And MySpace had your top five. And you could, very see, you could very easily see week by week where your priorities were. And if you're married to someone and then all of a sudden you move from the number one to number four, you forgot Valentine's Day. You should have been at a church where they could give you a free card. <laughs> Every relationship has clear priorities. If it's healthy, the priorities are going to be very clear. You still with me? Your most healthy relationships that you have have very clear priorities. This is what is important to me. This is what's important to you. And these things align. They match. Your relationship with God is the same way. Very clear priorities. I want to remind you of the countless amount of scriptures that tell us we love God because he first loved us. I want you to know that in in the depths of our sin and our disobedience, God himself sent his son to relieve the tension between us and him that our sin had caused. And God sent his one and his only son to the cross for you and for me. God honored on the front end before you were even born. He provided a way so you could be saved. God honors and shows you you are first for him. And so when we come into God's presence When we give, when we're generous, when we offer something back to the Lord, there's a big difference between some and first. And God looks at Cain and says, man, do the right thing here. Do the right thing. If you do the right thing, I will accept you. But you're showing me that I'm not a priority in your life. Are you bringing something? Great. But your brother's bringing something better. Why? Because he's doing it with the first. There's a very, very clear priority in my wife and, and in my, my own life in the way that we're generous and give. I will never stand on this platform and talk about your generosity and not be the first one to give myself. But I promise you this, I will give to what the Lord has called me to give to. I will be generous with God's church way before I pay Swepco, before I, before I pay my, my mortgage, before I pay the credit card bill, before I pay for college tuition, before I pay for a wedding, God's honored first. Because I want him to understand that you are first place in my life, and it starts with my finances. First, over and over, Old Testament, New Testament, it's very, very clear God's word says that the first is holy to the Lord. It's holy. That means it's set apart. I want, you to, I want to remind you of this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It all belongs to him. It ain't yours anyway. It's all his. So what he allows you to have and to earn, you're not the owner of. You're a steward. You're a steward of what he's allowed you to have. And if you begin to return, not just some, 
But the first portion back to God, God sees where your priorities lie. And you will not pass generationally the curse of Cain to your children. Do you see it? The first is holy to the Lord. Look at this in Proverbs 3. It says, honor the Lord with your what? With your wealth. Some of us are like, what is that word? And I ain't got none of that. Are we speaking things that aren't as though they are? (laughs) I learned a long time ago. A pastor had to confront me. And I was on staff at a church. And he talked to me about my honoring of the Lord with my finances. And I thought, you're just like every other pastor. All you care about is my money. He says, son, I care about you. If you're going to be in ministry, you're not going to be a hypocrite and work for me. You're not going to stand up and take from the tithe of people and their generosity and not be giving something back. You need to honor God. What do you want me to do? I'm like, no, no, no. That's the wrong attitude. It's a joy to give. We honor God first with the first and the best of what we make. Before we take care of anything else, I want to honor the Lord. I believe that if I honor the Lord with the first, he redeems the rest. And he does things that I could not possibly do with the best of my wisdom. The first is holy to the Lord. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Let me just tell you this. If we're not showing the Lord who has clear priority in our life, you're proving to your children that God is not there. You're giving your children something much worse than what was handed to you. Honor the Lord with your first fruits. With the first. Let me say this. The difference between some and first is a reflection of your heart and your trust in God. And by the way, it's a true reflection. You ever seen those crazy mirrors at a carnival where you just get all kind of wonky? And there's some mirrors that they put in stores that make you look really skinny. Yeah. You ever been there? You're like, man, I look great in this. And then you look at the mirror at home, you're like, what happened? <laughs> that lighting was... Re- <laughs> the difference between some and first, when you honor the Lord with the first, you get a true reflection of where your heart is. Where your trust is. It won't lie to you. You can open up your checkbook and look at your bank statement, and they'll tell you where your, where your priorities lie. You're like, oh, my first priority is Chipotle. Look at that. And now I know, right? Where's your priority? We honor the Lord with the very first. It's the first check I write, the first thing I do, the moment the direct deposit hits my account. My wife and I have practiced this for years. We honor God with the first before I pay anything else. God gets the first. Do you see it? So relieving the tension between my mistakes and the next generation is I honor the Lord with the first, not with some, the first. And I want to challenge you to make this year where you take personal responsibility for the spiritual health of you and your family and honor God with the first. It may not even be a full percentage. It may not be anything. Why don't you, why don't you start with the first dollar that you make when you get paid the first dollar and just see what happens. There's only one time in scripture where God says, you can test me, and it's to do with your money. God backs it up with the guarantee of his word. I want to see your priority. I want to see what you think is most important. Honor God with the first. I want to challenge you this year. Let, it, let this be the year where you honor him first. Still with me? Here's the fourth thing I want to show you. Uh, how do we relieve the tension between my mistakes and the next generation? Number four, we're going to seek reconciliation over revenge. Reconciliation over revenge. Now, uh, I have not been saved long enough where uh, I could just say I've always chosen reconciliation over revenge. I am half hood, half holy. I get it. I admit, there are times in ministry where I'm like, 
I will seek reconciliation after I get revenge. Anybody else a little spiteful? Where are we at? Lord, I will forgive them after I get even. That's how it works. There is a time, and I don't have a whole lot of time here, but there's a time that I took a, a bunch of youth to a youth camp, and um, I was, uh, I took my daughter, she was about two years old, so she was still in the stroller, and so we're at the first night of worship, and um, I'm just worshiping kind of at the back with the stroller, she's trying to go to sleep, and um, have, you know, just a bunch of kids that are there, and then I felt something hit the back of my neck. It was wet, and I'm like, what in the world? Is the roof leaking? And so I grabbed it and smelled it. I'm like, oh, that's somebody's spit. Like, somebody spit on me. And in all fairness, it was like a Pentecostal camp, so you never know if it's intentional or not. Holy Ghost. And so I'm like, okay, you know, hey, maybe he has gift of spitting. It's something we haven't discovered yet. Then a couple minutes, I got spit on again on the top of my head. I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting there wondering, like, this is, what do I do? few minutes later, someone spits on my baby. Now, at that point, the spirit of revenge takes over and I'm ready, my blood is boiling. I, I can confess to you, this is church, can I be honest? And so I step out and I look up at the balcony and there's a bunch of kids worshiping on the balcony. I thought, okay, if you're spitting on someone, at some point, you gotta look. You gotta look. And certainly, just a few minutes later, I see this, this guy's head peek over. He's like 25 to 30 years old. He looks over and, like, and he has his mouth curled up like he's about to spit again. He's like, and then he sees me and I see him and I just point at him and say, I got you. And he's like, ah! he may have cussed in church. I don't know. <laughs> but in that moment, I had something happen in my heart. I could have chosen reconciliation. I could have just gone to his leader and said, hey, can you talk to your boy? Because he's spitting on people and it's inappropriate. He's spitting on my daughter. That ain't the way that I respond to things. I put a text in to all my senior guys. I'm like, battle meeting, five minutes. Let's go. <laughs> and they show up and I had I'd, I'd come prepared. I'd been waiting for years for a moment like this. And I pulled out 12 $100 bills. I said, we have a $1,200 budget and we have a target. And tomorrow is gonna be hell day for this guy. And within about 20 minutes, they had done their recon and it went into, I mean, I'm talking, Navy SEAL's got nothing on us. Recon, I found out the guy's name. I found out where he's the youth leader at. I found out which dorm he's staying in. I found out exactly which bed he's sleeping in. I knew which bus he was riding out on. I know his parents, I know his high school. I know the church he goes to. I know a social security car. <laughs> and within a couple minutes, one of my seniors comes back and said, hey, here's his uh, meal plan for the week. His meal ticket is his card. It's like a credit card that you swipe to, to get your meals. I'm like, let's start there. <laughs> now, I can't go into many more details because charges are still pending in Louisiana. <laughs> and I've never been convicted of any crime. But I wouldn't say I hadn't been charged with. No, uh... It ended up getting so bad that this next day that he was uh, trying to get a bus ticket home because he was so afraid of what we had, had done all night long. I'm just saying, it was hell night. And uh, mistakes were made. So I get pulled into the office the next day and the director of the camp's like, what in the world is going on with this guy? Like this guy is like freaking out. He slept all night like with the lights on in the middle of the lobby because he's afraid of something happened to him because... He's seeing ghosts and things are getting crazy and people are calling from his hometown and like, I don't know, I don't, what happened? Am I my brother's keeper? He's like, if I get him to, to apologize to you humbly, can we, can we end this? I'm like, well, we can choose reconciliation over revenge. It can stop now, but I want to, and he apologized and things were over for a while. No, they, it ended that day, let me just say. But I woke up that morning, I chose revenge. 
I can just be the first to tell you that this is, this, is this always been a, a key in your life of not passing on the mistakes of the next generation? No, I choose revenge first and then reconciliation. And let me just tell you, hey, there are people that have done you wrong. I get it. You've had things that were done to you. Might've been evil things that have done to you. We can still draw boundaries and forgive. That doesn't mean I give them permission to do it again, but I can still not allow them to have a place in my heart. I want to remind you that we can separate from sin and still love sinful people. Do you see that? And in this moment, we have Abel that gets killed by an emotional brother that will not listen to God, that disobeys. And that one generation has dishonesty before the Lord. Now it's gone into a place of murder, this generational curse. And the Bible says his blood is crying out for for vengeance. And God hears the cry of Abel's blood. I'm thankful for this scripture in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, the blood of Christ speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See, the blood of Abel is crying out for revenge. Jesus' blood is crying out for reconciliation. It's a better word. I wonder if that's for someone today. People have done you wrong and you're waiting around to get even. Let me remind you, there's a better word. And there's another generation that's watching how you handle when people do you wrong. Scripture is very clear that we have a savior, a savior that can sympathize with our weaknesses. He was in all points tempted just as we are. Want to get even? Sure. Can you get even? Yeah. If you've got a budget and some Navy SEAL seniors in high school, you can get even real fast. I can, I can make it really, really hard for you to sleep tonight and still be dead wrong. Jesus' blood speaks a better word. You see, Abel's blood cries out for revenge. Jesus' blood cries out for our redemption. He saved us for something better than to live underneath a curse. You see, both Jesus and Abel were slain by wicked men when they were righteous, and one brought a curse. Another broke the curse so that you don't have to live there and you don't have to pass it to your kids either. You can give them something better and just getting even. Galatians 3 tells us this, that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. How beautiful is that? How powerful is that word? So if Jesus breaks the power of every curse that's ever been passed from generation to generation, why would we choose to live underneath one? Power is broken. The choice is yours. And I'm believing that if you, if you listen to this word, if you apply this to your life, your children don't have to fight the same battles that you fought. They can have a healthy, honest, intimate relationship with the Lord. They can understand the difference between some and first, and they'll go farther with God than you ever dreamed possible. I want you to give some faith for that today. And you can look back at the end of your life and say, I made a difference, and I can see it in my kids. I can see it in my grandkids that we are generational curse breakers. It may have run in my family until it ran into me, right? I gave it to Jesus. He healed me. I found freedom from that. Didn't pass it along. I want to remind you of this simple point. I'll put it on the scripture. The greatest advantage I can give my children is a healthy relationship with the Lord. Hope that challenges you today. And whether you're single or single again, whether you're in a healthy marriage or you can say it's a lot less than healthy, I believe God has spoken to you today.
And at this point, we can choose to listen or do things the way that we've always done them. I want to remind you, life's too short to keep making the same mistakes. Would you go ahead and put away your notes and your phones? Let's just have the last two minutes of this service be a moment of honesty and transparency before the Lord, if you don't mind. I want to pray for you. So would you bow your head and close your eyes? And I believe if I've done my job correctly today, there are some people that are sitting here. One of them might be you. They'd say, in all honesty, pastor, my marriage is struggling. We're hanging on by a thread here. We need some help. You're in the right place. For some of us, like I am so scared about my children and the choices that they're making. I'm so anxiety-filled about my grandchildren. It's difficult for me to even think about myself. I worry about them constantly. You're in the right place too. For others of us, if we're going to be honest, this has been a week where your emotions have been in the first priority of your life. It's been an emotionally rough week and you've been on a tear. And things that you've done, attitudes that you've had, the way that you've spoken to people is anything but holy. And your emotions are out of control. They're out from underneath the authority of the word of God. And you're in the right place too. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're watching online, I want to invite you to do something that I like to do when I feel like the Lord is confronting me and wanting to help me. I like to just open up my hands and I just, if I'm seated, I just place them on my knees. Almost as if someone was handing me something. But it's a sign of submission and surrender to the Lord and a willingness to receive from him. Would you do that right where you are? Would you open up your hands and just maybe place them on your knees? And I'm going to pray for you. And if your marriage is struggling, if you're worried about your kids or your grandkids, if you're in a place where your, your emotions have been, have been going crazy, this is for you. Father, right now, I pray for every single person that's in the middle of a struggle. For some of us, it's hard to even walk in a church today. But Lord, I believe that your word has spoken to us and offers us some hope that we're not under a curse, but that you came to break the curse for us once and for all. And because you're a curse breaker, that we don't have to choose to live there anymore. So we make a choice, whether we feel like it or not, we make a choice to trust you. We make a choice to trust you with our future. We make a choice to trust you with our marriages. We make a choice to trust you over our emotions. We will listen to you and we will obey. Father, we submit to you today. We ask that you would come, that you'd give us peace where there was a storm. You'd forgive us where there is sin. Help us to do what's right, even if we don't feel like it. In Jesus' name. And now with heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, if you're here today and you want a relationship with Jesus, maybe you've been away from God and you need to come home, this next part is for you. I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me. If you want a relationship with Jesus, pray this prayer. I'll tell you what to say. Pray it with me. You can do it out loud. You can do it silently. It doesn't matter. Just pray this part with me. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came and died and rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I give my life to you. Take over. Forgive me. In Jesus' name. My friend, if you prayed that prayer with me, would you look up at me? Would you lift your hand and say, that was me, Pastor? Let me see your hand all over this place if you would. Good, good, good. 
good. I'm so proud of you and the decision that you just made. As a matter of fact, I don't want to just, just pray that prayer and leave you there. This is the beginning of your relationship with God. It's a beautiful thing. So on the screen behind me is going to appear a phone number. And if you pray that prayer, I want to invite you to text me. Text the words, I prayed, to the number that's appearing on your screen. If you do that, I'm going to send you some links to some things that I prepared just for you. It'll help you understand what, what just happened in your heart and what to do next. I'm super proud of you. Good for you. Today's a good day. Highridge family, would you go ahead and look up at me then stand to your feet if you would? I hope that you receive something from this word today that will help you and encourage you and bless you, give you some things to chew on and think about throughout the week. I'm praying that God will bless you as you do. I've got our elders and their wives stepping forward. These guys are gonna be available to pray for you about anything that you might need prayer for. And for everyone else, I want to just offer this word of caution. Do not cheer for the eagles. <laughs> for the love of all that is holy. You don't have to be a Chiefs fan, but don't go to the dark side. Jalen Hurts is a believer, and so we're going to believe that he's going to have a great game and lose. But other than that, like seriously, Pastor, I'm sorry. It's been an emotional week. I can't. <laughs> Let me pray for you and bless you as we go. Father, would you bless my friends with a great week following after you, being obedient to your word all week long. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an awesome week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.